a lot of people who misuse Matthew 18 usually can be held accountable for abusive process by basically um, misusing Matthew 18 in a number of ways. And I've seen it happen. And that basically goes against um, Matthew 7. One of the things we need to remember when it comes to the Bible is that we shouldn't quote it out of context. Why is that important? Stay with us. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Grace and Truth. I'm a grateful gospel-centered disciple of Jesus Christ who struggles yet perseveres, and my name is Dave. I hope and pray that you're doing well. Today we are continuing a three-part podcast entitled, That's Not What I Said. It was broadcasted live on Facebook on March 8, 2021. Let's return to the original broadcast already in progress. Here's another one. This one's a tough one. Actually, uh, people, this is the most misquoted verse that everybody misquotes. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, how many of you have heard people say that when you try to rebuke them or try to point them to sound doctrine? Oh man, they use that all the time, especially those who claim to be Christians. But as you can tell, um, that verse is also taken out of context. Now, before I respond to this idea of, but we're not supposed to judge, Dave. Uh, actually, yes, we are. And I'll explain why in a moment. Let's look at the context of the passage first. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice that the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot to turn to attack you. Okay, so obviously you can tell that judge not lest you be judged is always taken out of context. Now, what is that, ver that passage in its context? Well, it teaches us, Jesus teaches us that if we're ever going to discern or be judgmental about what someone is doing that's wrong, we have to examine ourselves. Where are we in our walk with the Lord? We need to take the log out of our own eye first before taking any specks out of someone else's. Um, I usually tell people when it comes to Matthew 18, before you consider rebuking someone, you need to make, make sure, you need to ascertain that your heart's in the right place before you rebuke them. And believe me, I've rebuked a number of people before where my heart wasn't in the right place. And guess what happened? It goes straight back over to me. So really, um, that is the prerequisite of Matthew, 7, Matthew 18, Matthew 7. But 
you have to take the log out of your own eye first before taking any specs out of someone else's. Before you rebuke somebody, you got to make sure is your heart in the right place and is what they're doing truly a sin and how can I lovingly bring them back to God with, without blowing it and finding myself in a bad spot? Because a lot of people who misuse Matthew 18 usually can be held accountable for abuse of process by basically um, misusing Matthew 18 in a number of ways. And I've seen it happen. And that basically goes against um, Matthew 7. So, yeah, wanted to give you that heads up. Now, some of you are probably wondering, okay, You've made your point on Matthew 7, but what about judging? I thought we, if, if, if that verse is taken out of context, where, where in Scripture does it say that we have to judge? Here's some passages of Scripture that do tell us that we should judge. And I'm going to turn my Bible to each of those passages. I have the Reformation Study Bible right in front of me. I'm going to start with Proverbs 27, verse 5, and chapter 31, verse 9. Okay. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. That's verse 5. And now chapter 31, verse 9. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Okay, here's another one. Matthew 18, 15. I've already read that, so we're just going to leave it at that. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. And remember, Matthew 18 is strictly reserved for in-church in in dispute or um, sinful acts. Anyone who's not a believer and is not a part of the church, you don't use Matthew 18 on non-believers. That is an abusive process. Let's look at John chapter 7, verse 24. 724. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Right. Next up, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, and chapter 5, verse 12. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. All right, now chapter 5, verse 12. For, who, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom you are. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? I'll, yeah, I'm going to read, read verse 13 as well. God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Okay. And finally, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now, a lot of people, it's funny will try to think of so many other things to justify themselves that's outside of Scripture. And I always have to tell them, I always have to think of the Bible like binding arbitration and people or pastors like small claims. If you don't agree with what the pastor says, just take it to another forum, just like small claims. But with the Bible, think of it like binding arbitration. Think of it like Judge Judy. Uh, the people are real, the cases are real, the rulings are final. The Bible is final authority. You don't have the option of appealing it. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, 
for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right. So those are passages that tell us that we are to judge. And that is really, really important that we keep that in mind. But we have to do it with in the, in the place where we're at. We can't just judge where our heart's not in the right place. Our heart, we have to use discernment because there's a lot of things that are going on that are just totally far from the gospel. Okay, here's another verse. And a lot of churches that are either Roman or Eastern Orthodox use this all the time. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, a lot of EOC parishioners and Roman Catholic Church parishioners and clergymen of both will use that as a basis to, um, to shove sola fide, justification by faith alone, to the side. But when you look at the passage at large, you realize that it doesn't condemn sola fide at all. Look closely. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled. That says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. I should have highlighted that. I'm sorry. And in the same way, was was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works that she, when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body is apart, apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So in that passage, it's not condemning the idea that we're justified by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Abraham had faith and it was because of his faith that all of all the things that took place in his life. Now, they mention works, of course. Now, yes, Abraham had works, but he needed to have something in order for those works to be to, to come into fruition. That was faith. You know, as believers, it's be, we are we are saved by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone. And of course, it doesn't stop there. There, do, there, there should be good works involved, but those works can't come out of our own whim. They come as a result of our salvation, not in addition to it. I mean, that would be a Jesus plus gospel. But because of what Christ did for us, we do these things because he loves us, not to make him love us. 
And the, these works come as a result of our salvation. And it's so amazing how that has helped. I, I can tell you from experience, I tried to work my tailbone off to achieve favor from God, and I was exhausted and miserable, to say the least. The works that are coming from me now are, at, are not coming out of my own merit, but because of what Christ did for me. Hey guys, we're out of time for today, but we will continue this message next week. Thanks for listening. You can contact me at my website, chewmadenew.com, or you can call me at 510-516-CHEW. That's 510-516-2439. Or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, peace out and God bless. Cinco's!